to me. Live from Fitzgerald's in St. Paul, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. like forever since um i've seen you really it's only been like three days hasn't it that's we saw each other on yeah, saturday that's true. we saw each other on saturday we were at the game i took a really awesome picture that you looked like a mondovi a mondozian cyberman i did it wasn't if good you, if you are if anybody are doctor who nerds like a mondozian my cyberman. wife is she would know what, yeah. what you're talking about i don't uh, you definitely look like a fucking mondozian cyberman yeah that's the uh, phone booth thing right yeah yeah um yeah you took it from uh if you're taking selfies this is the rule you can't take it from fucking down here it's got to be like up above stretch that neck fat out See? you had me cramming hot white neck fat yeah, down but into myself i don't know like i take really good selfies my wife agrees with you she always is chastising me for my selfie angles so well you have a beard so it covers yeah. up some of that now that's i had true. shaved that morning so again nothing when but glaring white neck fat that's poking down that's fair so thanks for that that's um, fair, yeah the reason it feels like it's been so long is because we did not have a podcast last week uh that's my fault this is the first week that we genuinely didn't have a podcast there were two two weeks we didn't have anything because uh, recording problems, scheduling problems. This is the week that I had to say my son had surgery. I got to be a good dad for a week, and uh, we just straight up called yeah. him off. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, this is uh, this is I was I was doing I was looking at the agendas and stuff. This is actually episode 19, which should actually technically be episode 22. So technically, this podcast should be able to the false drink, starts, but for uh, but for some false starts. But yeah, we're up episode. Dude, we've done this 19 fucking. We've, technically, we've done this 20 times. Yeah, only 19 have actually been put out into the public 19 more than i shit. thought we'd get yeah. i know right all right we're an institution now um so thank you guys for joining us we are the daves you know this is the daves i know we're gonna do um not something totally different but we're gonna cover a little bit more content this week uh first of all we're going to look back on the last couple of games we didn't give too much uh insight having missed a podcast into the games that happened a couple of weeks ago um thing in rsl for instance we'll uh begrudgingly start talking about that yeah. Uh, but we'll focus mostly on Vancouver that just happened. And then we'll look ahead, actually, because of the scheduling and the way that everything works out. Um, we are not going to have the opportunity to record another podcast before Columbus uh, game hits next week. So we're going to give you a, a doozy double-decker. That's going for alliteration there. Um, and we're going to cover both the upcoming New York City game uh, tomorrow uh, as well as the Columbus Crew game that comes after that. So you get a ton of content smashed into uh, one drunken evening. So how does that sound? Sounds like a fucking plan, man. There you go. And I guess I and, should. And, I sh we're, and we're watching, we're sort of watching the uh, FC Cincinnati Chicago Fire Open Cup match that's going on right now. Yep. Um, FC Cincinnati almost won it at the death. And then the yep. Fire almost won it at the death. And now yep. they're in extra time. So, you pretty, know. Pretty good game. And uh, although if you sync up, If you want to sync up the match to us, that's where we're at right now. Yes, you know, yeah. This is kind of like uh, Dark Side of the Moon. If you watch the replay of this game and you sing it up to this podcast, it's Hopefully uh, pretty amazing you're also experience. very high because I don't know why anybody would listen that to us if they weren't high, but yeah. fair enough. So let's get into it. we got a ton of content to cover cool. tonight. And uh, first thing that we want to talk about, uh, and uh, you'd indicated the less said about it, the better. <laughs> you might be right. Uh, that RSL match, uh, you've, you've heard news, you've thought about it yourself from other places. So 
let's just cover some of the high stuff. We don't need to go through our normal rigmarole. Yeah, yeah. So this match happened about uh, 10 days ago. A um, couple questions. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like approaching this like question style. So Minnesota had a short bench. Um, obviously, you know, we now know Mark Birch and Johan Venegas were late scratches. So this team had no attacking options off the bench. Adrian Heath used only one sub with a midweek match upcoming. I have two questions. Number one, what the fuck? And number two, why did Heath swap Ibarra and Delati? So Ibarra in this match, who normally plays on the left, played on the right. Uh, Delati, who is normally played on the right when he's played, or, or under in the, in the term more of a ten role, played on the left. So those are my two questions. Um, so I know it was ten days ago. So I have more faith in Ibarra playing on the right, where uh, I've heard people argue they would prefer him there. I don't know if I'd say that for sure, but um, you know. I, I, I don't mind him playing over there. Dunlady, honestly, we haven't seen Dunlady do much over there. I don't know what they've tried in practice or how he usually looks doing that, but uh, it was weird. It was, it was a weird circumstance that we didn't see coming. Maybe he saw a matchup that he liked better. The one thing I do want to talk to is Keith gets a lot of criticism for not making enough subs, making them too late, things like that. And while I think there's specific instances where I agree with that, who the hell are you bringing on? I mean, you, you look at the bench, the bench is already short, and then you're sitting on guys like, Kadri, uh, Jermaine well, Taylor. I mean, they're clearly not bringing on any attacking options because they do not. They literally do not have any other attacking options. Well, that's my point. But but still, like, why in in altitude with a midweek matchup coming? I mean, and clearly, obviously, in, in the end, it, it didn't. It didn't really seem to make a difference in the match uh, on Wednesday. But coming off of that drubbing in KC, yep. and. With your your goal is we're shooting for the playoffs, you couldn't bring anything on besides one fucking sub like that. And it's not just if this was just an isolated incident, I would be okay. That makes sense. But this is not an isolated incident, as you've sort I, of alluded to. I I honestly believe that um, Heath looks at his options, and and again I. I don't know if I fully agree or disagree. I'm a little bit agnostic about it, but I think he looks at his options and he says tired legs from X player is better than fresh legs from Y player when he looks at his bench. Uh, argue Yikes. about it all day long, but I, I honestly think that's what his thought process that's is. That's fucking terrifying. It, it um, is terrifying. I that I don't disagree with. Yep. So a couple other I just got a little key points from here. Um, so Shuttleworth actually had a really good game for the most part. Um, I mean, he made the saves he needed to make. Uh, and but for a howler of his late in the match, they may have stolen actually stolen a point in RSL. I feel I feel bad for uh, I feel bad for Bobby. He just uh, pulls the whole game out of his ass, has an error late, and that's all it takes. You know that yeah. that's the nature of soccer. Actually, I'll actually talk a little bit about that philosophy later on when we talk tactics for New York. But um, yeah, feel bad for the dude. He's not wearing a mask anymore, is he? No, he's not, which is nice. Looking like a normal, um, handsome dude. I mean, one thing also that we noticed, too, is that typically when Minnesota wins the possession battle, they tend to not do well. So in this game, in particular, Minnesota had the, won the possession battle 52-48. to 48. Um, However, RSL had 29 shots, nine of which are, were on target, to Minnesota's five shots, of which only one was on target. Um, I mean, I know, and we can talk about this maybe next week, Spoiler alert, next week we're going to do sort of like a midweek or mid-season uh, sort of recap, maybe some mid-season awards and talk about what we want to see this team doing like, going forward. But, and obviously clearly they need some attacking depth. Um, 
what is the what is the point of trying to win the possession battle if you are going to get out outshot, outshot basically six to one? A lot of people, a lot of the analyst dudes on the Twitters and stuff like to talk like uh, possession doesn't matter. It does matter if you look over a large enough sample size. Having the ball is better than not having the ball. That said, with a narrow, uh, a 52 to 48 is a fairly narrowish margin. Uh, and you're right, it, it, on an individual game, it does come down to what you do with it. Um, and Minnesota United, and I've mentioned this in other pieces, definitely had a problem with making meaningful possession because they tend to receive the ball in a passive way, defend in a passive way, where I'd like them to defend a little bit higher, press a little bit more so that, uh, A, they're not, they, we don't have the talent to withstand a barrage and come out unscathed. Second of all, maybe we're winning the ball back in more dangerous positions and the possession we do have is more meaningful. So, Which, to, to, to your point, and to be fair, and sort of jumping ahead to Vancouver is what they did. When they had like 72 or 74% of the possession uh, this weekend that's against their game. Vancouver and, you know, should have won that game. They, they didn't. Spoiler alert. Um, that's, that's the anyways, game they got to play. Was there anything else about RSL that you wanted to, you wanted to mention or bring um, up? That that hasn't been cried hasn't already into the been dirt already about um, by every other, every, no, all eight other Minnesota soccer just, podcasts. Just, just my last tactical point that I'd like to see him defend higher, play a harder press, and use that that level of athleticism to their advantage. Because from a technical standpoint, we're going to be out technical by most teams. So win the ball back in dangerous places. That's that's my takeaway. From cool. That. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump ahead to Wednesday then. Um, you were not at this match. I was at this match. Uh, Same reason a, I couldn't do the podcast. That's uh, which yeah. we were. We had this really awesome, elaborate plan oh, we for did. a podcast yes. on Wednesday, right after the match. We were going to be the first ones to give you the breakdown of the Portland Timbers, Minnesota United match. We're going to do it at the, the fucking Nomad. We're going to like literally get like our friends in to talk and stuff. It was with this elaborate idea and a plan, and then it all went to shit because. You know, your son had surgery, and yeah, you know, I, life life gets in the way. I, so I, I love kids, but if you want mine, you know, uh, they're <laughs> on my front lawn with a free sign on it right now. So, um, so this game, did you watch this game? I did watch okay. the replay. It, like yeah. live or, or or after the fact? Oh, a- after the fact. Okay, he okay. was he, he was all hands on deck. Okay, fair enough. Um, this was a this was a, a simultaneously amazingly fun game to be at, and then also simultaneously like I thought, like I was just like. The heartburn and like was, the acid that was, was building up one. inside of me was insane. So, yeah. what did you think watching it? Uh, so you already knew the result probably, and then like rewatching I d- it. I did. Yeah. What did you sort of? How did you? How did you ingest this game? Um, le- so let me let me give you another one. How did I? I love that. How did I ingest it? Um, first of all, uh, beating Portland's a big deal. I don't care who's on whose roster uh, at the moment, or whether there's dirty, short legs or whether it's road hippies. or home. What's fuck, that? The, fuck those dirty stinking hippies. Those hippies, man. I uh, a win against Portland matters. Uh, so especially after the first game of the year. Uh, my other takeaway: I was excited that Christian wasn't the one scoring the own goals uh, that evening. Uh, my third final takeaway, if we're trying to be brief about it, comes back to what I briefly mentioned before: the idea that soccer is more than any other sport made up of individual moments that define the outcome regardless of the the trend of who's performing well. So a a bit of an own goal, a bit of a bad deflection, a single bad back pass makes all the difference. It's not like basketball where if a defender in basketball slips and falls on his ass, worst thing that happens is the opponents get two or three points and you can make that up. It's not a big deal. A single mistake like an own goal can change the tide. Uh, um, 
and you know that's the kind of shit that made made the end of the Portland yeah. game happen. So I, I think I can't remember if it was uh, Dunard who posted or maybe it was Matt Doyle. Um, that this is the or somebody MOS soccer related person. Uh, forgive me for not knowing remember, remembering who you were. Um, this is the first game in MLS history that had two own goals and two red cards, and then it also had a PK, like on top on top of it. Like this is a doesn't it seem like that should have game. doesn't seem like that should have happened. I mean, two own goals is not impossible to come by, and two red cards. Well, is two not red cards on the by. same fucking play, by the way. Like they the well, same yeah. play, they got both they, got red cards. They got shipping. And, and and there was a there was a penalty. Uh, we can talk about Bobby Shuttleworth and his. Proclivity for giving up penalties, uh, either now or in a, in like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, can I say can I say about one of those red cards? Um, yeah. That shows Dunlady's youth. Yeah, of uh, course. He got, he got baited into that, and uh, you can't do that. Cooler heads have to prevail, whether you're in the right or not. Um, it's just like being a kid. You know, the person who retaliates get gets caught as often as not. Yeah. Um, so, and we we felt his loss uh, in the next game. We, we did. Absolutely did. We did absolutely. Um, I, I just want to say, like probably my player of the, of the match, and that this is probably not surprising to anybody who listens to this podcast more than once, is uh, Brent Coleman, fucking <laughs> owned Fernando Adi all game. It was this is such an amazing transformation and difference from the first game of the year, which again was against Portland up in Portland. Yeah, when Fernando Adi, uh, Nagby, like they were just running around uh, our like our defense and just slicing and dicing them. Um, Brent Coleman just basically smothered Fernando Adi all game. I don't remember even seeing him get any good touches uh, inside the final third, let alone like in the box. So right. I, don't, I don't know. Do you, I mean, uh, again, I, I, did, I've not, I did not rewatch this game. So I was, this is only like me watching it from the dark cloud section. Right. But I mean, I don't remember any like um, dangerous Adi touches that were inside the final third. So, so Fernando Adi has been in a slump lately. You know, he started the year so hot, and he's he's cooled off considerably. That doesn't help. But I think Coleman played him the right way. Uh, Adi is a really, really physical guy. Uh, I think that you've got to give it right back to him. Uh, smother is the word that you said. I, I think that's probably the right way to play him. And uh, and yeah, yeah. And I think about Portland, and and sadly. They've got a lot of great attack. Maybe the best front six in MLS. Maybe the one of the best in the continent right now. Um, but Adi Easily. carries a lot of the uh, goal-scoring load there. Um, Nagby is not a dude who puts up counting stats. Sebastian Blanco um, plays more like a true winger. Valeri will get you some goals. He's fine, but he's, he's a playmaker too. Uh, they don't have other dudes who are putting in the volume of goals that Adi does, and if you stifle him, you're, you're doing a lot of work. That's great. Yeah. I'm also impressed. It's only been three years ago that Brent Coleman was not even the preferred Coleman on Minnesota United's roster. That's that's been Isn't an that amazing. Crazy to think of? Yeah, I mean he's 25, so he's not young. Like he's you know, it's, Brent Coleman is not going to Europe or anything like that. I mean he's sure. he's definitely, but the fact that he went from basically being like an Open Cup starter on an NASL team to being. Very serviceable week in, week center out. back on an MLS team, and I think he would be a very serviceable back, serviceable uh, uh, se- uh, full back or center back on almost on most MLS teams. I mean, I don't think it's just because Minnesota is so bereft of, of defensive talent. I think he would be a serviceable 
I mean, he may not be a starter on every team, but he would be a serviceable center back on most MLS teams. And I think where he where he came from three years ago to, to now, and I I've been a you know I've been a Coleman fan forever. Um, I literally have his last NASL jersey. Um, I wear it to matches. Um, yes, thank do. you, thank you, Brent. Uh, thank you at, at BMK. Have it your way. Um, really appreciate that. Um, that's pretty amazing to me. So. You know, the, the talent pool at center back in America at any league is very, very thin. Um, I'm not trying to put it, Coleman down by saying that like anybody could play oh, God, because no. there's not that many. Uh, 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 what that actually means is that when you, if you have somebody who is consistent, doesn't have to be a world beater, somebody who puts in a, yeah. a consistent shift. I think, I think. Th- I, your four through eleven dudes on an MLS team, you just need those those consistent, serviceable dudes. That's one of the things that United has lacked the most. Is that it? it, it, it Ibsen now is uh, like a star on the team. Molino can be a star on the team when he plays well. Christian can be a star on the team. It, it, it lacks those mid-level Kalman types who don't make a ton of mistakes and put in a good shift. Uh, it seems like we're giving we're getting all or nothing from so many of our players. You know? Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, one last thing about the Portland match. Can we? Can we talk about that Molino pass and Ramirez first touch and sort of side volley chip well, thing? Can, mean, we, can we start by saying, amazing was, is that goal? was it a good first touch or a no, bad first No, it was a terrible touch? first touch. Okay. It was a terrible first touch. I saw a couple arguments both ways. Um, no, yeah, it was I don't absolutely th- terrible. I, I don't think it was a good first touch either, but uh, the ability to recover but, from oh, it God, and, then yeah. put, and then put the touch on the ball to do that. The, I, the, the second touch, the, the chip was, I think, that was the amazing part for me because... Um, Molino put a great ball onto Ramirez. Ramirez kind of fucked it up, to be, to be quite fair, and but he recovered. And Certainly, that's the thing is that this team, when this team is not scoring goals and is, is struggling, they're lacking they're lacking that sort of connection between, like, the the back four to the midfield to Ramirez. And when you get the ball to Ramirez, he might not score all the time, but he does some amazing shit. And he takes that's- he takes shots like. He's not afraid to take a take a shot, and yep. and that is one of the one of the knocks on Ramirez is that he does maybe take some some shots that are not the greatest and are not the highest. Uh, at least in the, he has most of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taken some like interesting interesting uh, options. He's, um, a, he's also put in some interesting looks, but too. he's also made yeah he's also had some really amazing goals, and I think his is his. Uh, the fact that he is not scared to to, to go at it, I mean, no. I think that's that sort of is. I mean, great for us that he's not on the Gold Cup, but to me that would have been like that would have been like perfect guy to bring into the Gold Cup this year and get a and get a run out for the U.S. Men's National Team. So yeah, I think so. I um, what I'm impressed by is the diversity of the kinds of goals that he scored this year. Uh, he's not. He's not a dude like we always make fun of Wondolowski as just this like sort of cleanup man who pounces on a ball that pops loose and that's what his career is based on. Uh, Ramirez has scored, you know, he scored on headers where he just had to muscle past a guy. He scored on leaping headers. He scored on, you know, back to the goal turn and shoot instances. He's just scored golazos. He out dribbled a goalkeeper. Every single one of his goals is different than every other one. And that's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm excited about that. So let's, uh, all right, let's jump now to the game that just happened. Yeah, or good happened stuff. Three days ago, um, Vancouver came to town, and uh, this was the first game that Minnesota did not either lose or win at home. They actually got a draw at home for the first time this yeah, year. We don't draw a lot. Um, and it was definitely 
Not a deserved draw. I think a lot of Minnesota United fans would, I feel like Minnesota United fans feel that we sh probably should have got a win there. I think, I mean, Inchi has said as much. Um, what was the best moment of the game for you, David Martin? Um, so I like seeing Calvo get his goal. Um, yes. I, I like that Thank Calvo, you. Calvo, Calvo gets goals. He's, he's gotten goals in previous clubs. And um, and for Costa Rica, he scores a shit ton of goals. Which is which is odd, you know, for yeah. a center back, but um, it, maybe less less odd for a fullback. But I, 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 I love that he's unafraid to get forward. He mostly just gives no fucks. That's, <laughs> you know what? It, 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 what he can do when he decides to play offense is it can create some overload situations that freeze either himself or another guy. Uh, I'm not going to say it's never going to come back to bite him, but I kind of like it in general. I, I like playing a little bit more free-flowing uh, positionally soccer sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I love seeing him finally get one. There's a couple of times there I thought that he could or should. So on that goal, he passed it, and then he, instead of, like, passing and then, like, sort of, like, maybe taking a step back or whatever, he fucking ran It was his intent the, the whole post. time. He knew and what he was doing. And he, yeah, and then like when the ball came back across the box, like he was right there to fucking head it in. Like he was, he he had no intention of of backtracking after that pass. Like he was going into the box, to the back post, and he was gonna put the fucking ball in the net. That's fucking. And, and I love if, that. If you're reading the game and you're feeling like, hey, I'm a center back, and the guy on whom I've been uh, put, especially if you're doing man marking. He's doing this, he's doing that, he's playing this way, he's playing back a little bit more, and you take advantage of that, and that's when you decide to make your runs, when you feel like you've got adequate cover. Maybe he's whispering to Coleman, I want you to cover on this. He's whispering to Cronin, I want you to cover on this because I think I've got an opportunity to get forward. I love it. React. Flex. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, best moment of the game for you? Um, I mean, again, going back to a, a defender, uh, Jerry, I mean, in mo more not more not so much his goal, but his goal celebration, but Jerry Teeson's goal celebration. He's he's impossible not to love. Uh, so the fact that no one was fucking marking him at all on that goal was just mind-boggling for Vancouver. I mean, going back and, and like rewatching the match, I was like, oh yeah, Vancouver wasn't really trying to mark up high at all, mm -hmm. and so he was able to just sneak in and get it. But then that fucking Bird celebration was amazing. But then I saw a photo of him the next day at, at fucking Pride, hanging out, walking around Loring Park. Like, yeah. Yeah, Jared. He said, I mean. The dude, the dude seems to like this team. He likes doing what he's doing. He's playing well, obviously. And he likes this community, yeah, as near as I exactly. can tell. And he's everywhere in the community. So that was, that was like the best one of the game for me, obviously. It was when the goal, I mean, that was the, that was the tying goal. It really gave us a lot of momentum, or more, even more momentum. Like, I feel like, I felt like, we all thought we were going to score a second goal, and then at that point we were like, we definitely thought we were going to score a third goal, which yeah. is great. Obviously, we did not. That did not end up happening. Um, but I think that, in combined with um, just how, like, and it's say what you want about the the European signings. The European signings have been not great. Um, most of them have been like, I mean, I'm thinking like Tyson, Aboja, like. They're actually engaged with the community, and I think that's fucking awesome. It's like Did you know, I saw Elvosia at the zoo the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah, I had, I had the kids out at the zoo, and uh, John was out there with his family, and we got to meet his kids and stuff. They're a little bit older than nice. mine. And uh, 
you know how that it's almost like shopping you know when you when you're shopping with somebody and then like you're both start at the same time so like you just pass each other every five seconds around the aisle well that was us like oh there's you know there's at the monkeys there, yeah the there's alboga at the monkeys and at the kangaroos and shit that um, is but yeah awesome. he was he was uh yeah he was i mean he's uh, not cool he's not dude, long, nice he's not long from minnesota but <sighs> it's i've got so many things to say. actually i have an article coming out for 551 very soon uh some of which talks about those european signings and says hey Calm down, everybody. It's not, we're there. It's not as dire gloom and doom as you're all acting like. So, okay. Um, so worst moment of the game for me. Um, I mean, any of the, the those first half goals were kind of shit. But honestly, and now that we hear that Coleman's actually going to be out for the Thursday game because of a knee injury, um, it's Coleman going out in the 40, 47th minute. We just talked a little bit about him earlier about how he's been. A surprising presence and a you know, capable backliner for Minnesota United. Sure. Um, and Jermaine Taylor came in and, and did an adequate job, but he's he's come in uh, when Coleman's gone out before and done an adequate job in the center back role. I mean, he's clearly not a fullback, and we learned that the hard way early mm-hmm. in the season. Um, but still, Coleman going on the four, in the 47th minute. I don't know. As long as he comes back soon, not the worst thing in the world, but. I don't know. That was that was for me the worst moment of the game. Let's mo- because mostly it's my baby boy. I we we all know you love him. Uh, I would say back pass from Kevin Venegas. Uh, yeah. Um, you know. Was- so it comes back to to something that I've already said a couple of times now that we we owned this game from a um, like a like a possession standpoint and, and just a eye test standpoint. But all it takes is a moment here or there of a mistake, a brain fart, uh, this or that, and that undoes all of that. And that is why it's so important to get those serviceable, generally error-free dudes, even if they're not setting the world on fire. Uh, And Kevin Venegas is somebody who can do some cool stuff. He can get forward well. I think he could be a good type of midfielder guy. But honestly, I'm at the point where I think he's a defensive liability, and all it takes is one mistake to undo all that shit you did going forward or, you know, overlapping, things like that. Sad moment. Yeah, I mean that's that is like part of my most what the fuck moment of the game, which is basically just Benegas's play on the two goals, right? So that obviously that back pass literally directly led to a goal, and then on the second uh, second goal, Benegas being out of position, um, like upfield, like far like far too upfield, led Coleman to making the uh, making the tackle that got the free kick which uh, directly to the goal Alfonso Davies basically ran around Kevin Venegas in this game and I mean I know 16 year olds are fucking precocious and shit um, but I play ultimate frisbee in the fall against like high school kids like I don't want them, and I'm an old I'm an old fucking dude I don't let fucking kids run around me I'm just smarter than I mean <laughs> kids can run around me I'm just smarter than the kids and I can be in position and that's what Venegas needs to be doing on on with Alfonso Davies. And if he's getting run around by a fucking 16-year-old, um, well, he's not just any 16-year-old. Well, I know Alfonso Davies is a, is, a, is a great 16-year-old, but still, like if he's getting run around by Alfonso Davies, he's gonna be getting run around. So I'm just not sure he can be a serviceable fullback for us. I actually would much rather have uh, Kevin Venegas like patrolling the midfield. Well, we're we're so, we're so shit thin at midfield, and um, well, we're, I mean we're thin everywhere. Yeah. Why not? Why not give him a run out? If you're at a point like we kind of talked about earlier, where you're saying 
I think that it's better to have dead legs on this guy than fresh legs on that guy. If that's how thin you are at your rolls, you might as well throw him up there. What the hell do you got to lose at that point? Yeah. He's got speed and a cross. Did you have, a, did you have a other, like, a, a what-the-fuck moment of the game? or? Uh, it was kind of conflated with my Venegas moment. You know, yeah. I was trying to think of something interesting. That's right, to say, like, like having that uh, Philando Castile banner taken out. But like, I don't want to go there because this podcast might be 45 hours. Yeah, weirdly, like, this game, Minnesota, like, played really well, but for, like, two fucking mistakes. That's all it takes. Um, all right, what's your official scorecard Um, for the... Obviously, our match official. I thought it was average. Um, yep, me too. I didn't see. see. I didn't see a number of mi- obvious missed calls that that completely impacted the game. I always, whenever there's a double red moment, I always think about. And I don't know if enough about refereeing to be critical enough. Maybe maybe that's my problem. But if there's a double red moment, I think what is happening not just in the officiating but in the management of the game from a referee where the chippiness is being handled, uh, you know, where uh, do, do two players need a red to send a message or, or is are there are there opportunities leading up to that to send a better message? Were, were either of the things that either of them did violent enough to deserve it? I always ask those kind of questions when I see an outlier instance like that. Um, I think they're usually preventable, but... Yeah, I mean, I think both those reds were deserved. Okay. Um, uh, the Seattle player definitely deserved. Sorry, the uh, Vancouver player definitely deserved the red. Um, all right, we're not. No, the, we're, you were talking <laughs> about Seattle. This, this no, is no, Vancouver no, no. game. I'm talking about Vancouver. It wasn't a red in Vancouver. Oh shit! I was talking yeah, about you were Portland. Talking about Seattle. Talking, like oh, what the God. fuck, man? No, Portland. Yeah. Um, Never mind. <laughs> okay. God Clearly, damn. that's yeah. what happens when we cover three games. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, no, I, I, Vancouver I, was fine. Then. Yeah. Fine. I, I thought it was average too. I, there was <laughs> the only one. The only sort of. Non-call that uh, may possibly have been a call was uh, when Abar was taken down in the box, um, like the 41st minute, I believe, and it was a borderline. It could have gone either way. Um, referee said play on, um, but that was definitely. Uh, and then, of course, there was the. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised Bobby Shawworth didn't actually get sh- sent off for his tackle. Right. right. Um, earlier in the game so you know maybe balance itself out from an officiating standpoint i'm usually of the mindset that the least uh, you know where there's gray area where there's subjectivity the least impactful call is the right call that's my yeah that's my opinion which is basically what happened in both of those situations and i like that so all right next yeah the next friday do star of the game um i have there's i think actually in this game Weirdly, with a, a draw, 2-2 draw at home. I thought there could have been a lot of players that you could have selected. I'm going to go with Thiessen. Um, not just because of the goal and the great goal celebration, but he played pretty flawlessly in the back. He was very, like, at home defensively. He was helping out, and he was able to get forward. And that is what good defensemen do, good fullbacks do, is when they recognize that they can get forward and get into position to impact the game on the, on the other side of the field, on the other side of the pitch. Um, I, I picked Tyson too, and it was because that's a that's a great fucking that's a great fucking person to have on your team. Absolutely, I, one of the biggest points for me, I, I said Tyson as well, is because he was playing left side of the defense, and um, he said before that he's actually from a defending standpoint more comfortable on the left side than the right side. He's better going forward on the right side than the left, but he feels more comfortable defending on the left side. Whatever, that's versatility. He played really well there. He still got his goal from the left side, so uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. So. 
this leads me to a question. What? Why won't Adrian Heath run out a three-five-two with Coleman on the right, Tyson on the left, and Cabo in the middle? And and you know you can put Venegas. You can even put fucking Justin Davis in there on a wing, and they can because they can cover back. They don't have to perennially defend if they can just have to come back to defend. Well, I think and you, and you have you have. I was arguing me common Cabo Tyson doesn't sound terrible on a back line. So, I I've grown to not fully disagree with you out of hand. On Thank that. you. And so that's about as far as I've come. <laughs> I think I think it's it would be a bold move for for Heat to make. There's no doubt about it. So course, a couple yeah. a couple a couple of thoughts on that. We still give up goals and we still give up plenty of them. Um, and it feels at face value counterintuitive to put more in the midfield rather than more at the defense when you're still. Hemorrhaging is probably a strong word still, but we give up way too many goals. Um, I think the other question might be of depth at the midfield. Um, you know, you're talking about putting defending, uh, you know, ostensibly defending position players in that midfield. Maybe that's the solution. But well, you could run it, You could at, run out some Colin Warners and Jermaine but, Taylors but, in that position. But, th- but that, that's my point. So, so we've got a five-man midfield: Ibarra, Molino, Ibsen, um, um, Cronin. You've got a fifth now that you got to account for. It could be um, I think it's, uh, it's Colin Warner, Warner probably. Could yep. be Colin Martin. But that's how thin we are at depth there. I guess you could have Venegas playing deeper. You could have well, uh, with, Abu Dunlady I mean, playing Birch deeper. Out and Greenspan out. We're we're light on defensemen too. I mean, literally. I mean, I guess everything will probably change once the you know transfer window opens, and we'll talk about a little bit about some stuff that happened right. there today. But seriously, in in the in the interim, in the in the next two games that you have. Why not run out a three-five-two? You have you have you clearly have more depth as in defensive midfield than you do as at both attacking and defensive options. I, right? I mean, am I've I, am gone I as far as to say I get the point. I think he's scared of the depth that he has at midfield, and I think that in his mind, his mind, if I'm trying to think of his mind, if he's going to have a five-man midfield, he's going to put five midfielders in there, and he doesn't feel confident with that fifth player for sure. Yeah. Um, wow. But then, I mean, do you feel more confident with your fifth midfielder, or do you feel more confident with your fourth uh, defender? You know, whether well, that's technically you're like your seventh defender. But, yeah, at this point. But so. basically, you're talking: Do I like Justin Davis more than I like Colin Warner, the midfielder? This is, these are shitty decisions to have to make. I'll say that. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, shittiest player of the game against Vancouver? Well, it was obviously Kevin Venegas. Um, I said he directly led to the first goal, indirectly led to the second goal. And I'm, I've been one who like I like Kevin Venegas. I don't. I think he's being, I think he's serviceable as a as a sub at defense. I think he's a much better option in the midfield. Again, it like in some sort of like a three five two or um, some other where he doesn't have to primarily defend, where he can primarily attack and he can also defend because I think he's not a terrible defender. It's just when he's primarily focused on defending is then like I think every every part of his game suffers um, in, including uh, corner kicks and free kicks and stuff like that we saw that down in Kansas City when uh, in the open cup match where he played and his his uh, corner kicks were pretty much shit for the entire game so <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind seeing him play out of the midfield yeah. uh, uh, at all on the, on the outside um, I'm gonna go with Johan Venegas. I think we'll go with, <laughs> with Venegas. Venegas, the Venegas, the Venegas. Yeah, the Freddie Adu Venegas. Um, so Johan was largely a ghost. 
usually, and maybe it's just a habit of somebody who plays in a forward position, but usually the worst thing you can say about uh, a more offensive playing position is that they were a ghost, that they didn't get involved in the game. Rarely do they make a single mistake that blows it for everybody. That's for defenders, you know. Uh, that said, he, he absolutely was a ghost. Uh, he comes off early right after skying one into outer space, and he makes a big fucking fight about it. Um, his attitude matched his play, matched every perception that people are growing to have about him. So, um, I, I, you know, I'll give it to Johan, but, yeah, I think that Kevin Venegas was a problem as well. So, um, Thank you. Anyway, we've got Venegas's. So yeah. uh, let's, let's cleanse the panel a little bit. We've talked about uh, the games that have happened uh, to death. We've got some news to cover, so catch us up. What is the other United news separate of the games that have Well, happened? today, if, you, uh, if you're you not paying attention to Minnesota United uh, news, and if you're listening to this stupid fucking podcast, I'm not sure what you're doing if you're not watching Minnesota United news. Um, Sam Nicholson apparently signed a uh, signed his contract today. I believe it's through 2019. He is a left winger uh, from uh, Scottish team Hearts of Midlothian. This is uh, per Jeff Reuter of your super sweet aforementioned 55-1. He broke the news. Um, so yeah, he signs. He will be available starting June, uh, sorry July 10th when the transfer window opens. Um, the next match that Minnesota United has after that July 10th um, date is the uh, friendly versus Atlas. I'm not sure. I'm presuming he can train with the team as soon as he signs the contract because he's out of contract from Scotland. So I'm guessing he'll get he'll get you know training minutes with the team. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's like that's like the hugest news well it's a it's another human soul okay so right. I, uh, it's, it's it's an attacker god I'm, damn it guys it's a fucking right. attacker I'm, I'm done trying to guess what a player from a middle tier club in a middle tier european league is going to look like in mls i think we've all played that game and lost at this point um so so i don't know how it's going to pan out are but you we calling need... the scottish premiership uh, a middle tier european competition at best all right, David Smith, get at David Martin. Oh, Smith, Smith agreed with me all day long. Um, so, so the dude's from Hearts of Minnesotian. Uh, I think that I'm going to withhold judgment on him, but I'm happy that it's another human soul on our team because we need a few more. Cool. Um, I'm just watching the FC Cincinnati Chicago open get open cup match. It's going to PKs. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I probably great. got a better look at it than you do. Uh, Cincinnati, they had a goal that was called off by a, a really close onside call. And apparently I heard, I heard VAR would have uh, would have uh, overturned that and oh, made it a goal. So. Let's not go there. Um, let's, let's talk news. Cool. <laughs> All right. So uh, as we mentioned, Coleman's out tomorrow due to a knee issue. Um, he left the match early in the second half against Vancouver. Apparently, also, Abu Dhanladi is out, probably with a thigh injury. I heard that from a source, um, which is weird because he didn't play in the last game, and I'm guessing he picked this, he's picked up this knock in training. Um, that leaves Minnesota, uh, again, shorthanded. Luckily, it's before uh, they actually fly to uh, New York, so they will presumably have a full complement of 18 players uh, on the bench. They um, Minnesota usually doesn't travel with more than their 18. Yeah. Uh, they don't take, and that's Most why you get into a position like RSL where a couple of guys are late scratches, and you don't have any yeah. more people to put in there. But to be fair, most MLS teams don't travel with more than 18. No, no, you're you're right. I'm which is called specifically. Which is also out. really fucked up. And fuck you, MLS, for having this rule where you can only uh, take charter flights. I think it's like four or five matches a year, and this is a every team rule. 
why the fuck can't MLS teams take charter flights to every single match? And I know it's because some owners are fucking shysty Robert Kraft looking at you uh, and don't want to pay for fucking charter flights. But seriously, if Bill McGuire, Dr. Bill McGuire, wants to pay for a charter flight for his team to every match or buy a fucking plane, because the man's worth several, like a billion dollars, um, and buy a plane and fly that plane to and from matches, why the fuck can't he? Fuck you, MLS. That's, that's it. Pro rail for USA. <laughs> um, so some stuff that happened while we were uh, sort of on our sort of mini hiatus. Um, Calvo and uh, uh, Francisco Calvo and Johan Venegas were obviously called up for the Gold Cup. Um, we have not yet heard on Jermaine Taylor if he got called up for Jamaica. Um, and TNT didn't qualify, so Molino is not called yeah, up, mood, yeah. which is great for us. I wonder if uh, I wonder if in Costa Rica they have television and they're able to uh, see Johan Venegas' performances. Clearly not. Clearly not. I don't know a lot about Costa Rica. Yeah. I guess. Um, Mark Birch is out um, yeah. for an extended period of time. He had a groin. He had groin surgery in Philadelphia uh, last week. Um, here, right? He's missing at least three months. I mean, I don't know. Here's the question: Will we see Mark Birch in a Minnesota United uh, kit again ever? I mean, there's. I heard. I've heard rumblings that he might retire because. You know, he's, old, he's an older guy. He's like 31 or 32. So. Yeah, old as yeah. fuck. Um, holy shit. Yeah, so, he's younger um, than I am. The, the, first, the first kick uh, was skied by Cincinnati. The second kick was blocked from Chicago. So it's two misses so far. Remember, if you, Mitch, sync, if you oh. sync up this pot, Mitch Hildebrand. Mitch no, fucking Hildebrand. This is Minnesota United news right now. We're in the middle of Mitch United Hildebrand. news. Mitch Hildebrand. Mitch Hildebrand just stopped a penalty Ooh, in shootout ah, against Chicago. Hildebrand. Ooh, ah. ah. Brent. <laughs> oh, this is lovely. We're not going to get any more podcasting awesome. today. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Minnesota United also announced a partnership with Toro to take care of the pitch and the surrounding green space at the St. Paul Stadium. And you know what? The grass at TCF, very evenly cut. Yes. So, I was very, very good, excited very about Toro's uh, work. And then, final Minnesota United news. Um, apparently, there's only about 200 Atlantic Society season tickets that remain. That was as of last week. So... There's probably 195 that remain. This is your last chance to so. join and have the opportunity to pay $35 for a scarf. So yeah, uh, get well, in on it. Yeah, if you get in now and then you renew, you actually will get that scarf for free. Because they had a bunch <laughs> left over because no one wanted to buy it. All right. Um, all right, let's talk uh, the game's upcoming. Tactical kinda, schmactical. Yeah, let's kind of bang through these here. Holy we're shit, Hildebrandt stopped another one. <laughs> oh, my ah, God. Hildebrandt. Ooh, ah, Hildebrand. Oh, man. Holy this is shit. fun. God, oh, yeah, what a great fucking stop. <laughs> it's just, we are way off to. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, we got NYCFC in NYC uh, tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Um, who's good? I mean, besides everybody on NYCFC's roster. Well, so Fucking, yeah, FC Cincinnati's got one. <laughs> we, so, uh, NYCFC, um, honestly, they're past the days of the, their 2015 season. They had three, you know, they were the kind of team that had high-level DPs at the top, and you look down below, and it's Minnesota United-level barrel scrapings. In fact, the article that I have for 55-1 is going to come out. We are actually just about dead even on points per game as New York City FC uh, had their inaugural season at um, with about we're at 1.06 uh, points per game. They had about the same, but they had guys like David Villa playing for him and Andrea Pirlo. So 
you know, a little perspective. Anywho, uh, they're past those Dave, days. Uh, David Villa, obviously still amazing. Ten goals. It's not just the ten goals, though. Uh, he actually has six assists, which is pretty amazing. Huge on shots, 70 shots. Um, after that, it's got to be probably uh, Maxi Morales, a uh, guy they brought in this year. He's sitting on seven assists, so a great creator there. Um, otherwise, uh, I'm looking at do, uh, performers like Ben Sweat out of the defense, dudes who step up all of a sudden it's their position to own. Um, and uh, that's cool. I love seeing dudes like uh, Ben Sweat emerge in a team like NC NYCFC and uh, find some success. So uh, they're a pretty good roster from top to bottom, and they are um, uh, tied for third in the Shield race right now. So it shows. Anybody uh, I missed for you that's good? Um, yeah, no, I mean, that's Davia. I mean, I, I read uh, there was an article earlier this week where maybe it was maybe late last week or early this week. It made an argument that Davia was is the best player uh best like foreign player in MLS history and pretty they made a pretty persuasive argument like in terms of just like his actual um, contribution to his team um, not just uh, holy, holy shit, it all holy, shit. Oh holy shit holy shit Cincinnati just beat Chicago on three Hildebrandt on three stops Hildebrandt saves oh my god holy Mitch. shit oh my god Oh, all right. Well, that I guess uh, guess I'm gonna keep talking about our stupid fucking team. <laughs> Let's um, talk about the players that uh, still exist for us. Yeah. Here. Uh, uh, so we, we, yeah. we skipped over Rodney Wallace as, uh, as well. Rodney Wallace is a uh, a well-rounded contributor, about four goals, four assists. Well, uh, yeah, no, takes a shot. But beyond that, I was actually gonna talk about. Um, I mean, Via obviously has been has been great. Jack Harrison, um, Englishman Jack Harrison, uh, which I was surprised he actually didn't get a look. Uh, the uh, U21 uh, English team that just won the uh, World Cup, or no, sorry, the the, the U20 U, team just uh, won the World Cup. They were right, at yeah. the UEFA U21 UEFA. Um, he's been amazing for them, and with uh, Yango Herrera coming back, uh, he combining with Alex Ring in the mid midfield. Again, I don't see too much where Miss like where NYC suffers in terms like, of like, like where's who the sucks. hole? Where, where's the hole we shoot for? You know. That's a good question. God damn. Um, well, that, that's the next question, right? Who sucks? Yeah. Eh? So can I sneak this one in there? Sure. Uh, Andrea Pirlo. <laughs> can I say it? Um, Karazi is going to, uh, I don't know, he probably doesn't listen to this stupid fucking podcast. He'll, but He'll get um, over it. Well, Andrea Pirlo, uh, only eight games played this year. Uh, he's a regista, so uh, he's playing out of a defensive midfield position, but he's getting involved in the action that says... That said, not as involved in the action as he could be. No assists, uh, you know, very few shots. His uh, his days as a distributor are probably gone, and now he's pretty much just an underwear model style human being, uh, and not not too much else. I mean, so. there are worse things to be than an underwear model. Uh, are there? Yes. Podcast there, deliverer. There, there are literally millions of other things <laughs> you could be worse. There are worse than being an underwear model. Um, Fair enough. I mean, in terms of uh, people who are actually playing, uh, <laughs> sorry, Andre it's, Pirlo. It's, it's, it's got to be it's got to be on the defense. Right? Yeah, it's it's Alexander Collins and Maxime Cheneau. I mean, they're vulnerable through the middle of that of that back line, and that's and funnily enough, that is where Minnesota could actually do some damage 
with New York. And, well, and, yeah. Yeah, we transition into the discussion of how do we play them. Yeah. And it's the same as we've actually seen with a lot of teams. I mean, you don't win a game against Portland by allowing their front six to take the game to you. You take it to their defense, yes. Ridgey's out, and you've got an opportunity there. The same is true of Vancouver. Fairly decent attack in Vancouver with guys like Montero and uh, Teixeira, uh, obviously Alfonso Davies, take it to their defense. Don't sit back and wait for their offense to do something to you. It's the same kind of approach. You, pl you, you play that higher press, you close down guys very quickly, and you focus on winning a 4-3 to three game rather than trying to win a one nothing game. Yeah, exactly. And which we've not seen Inchi do on for an entire game. Um, he definitely did this in the Houston game where uh, – like first half played like a bunkery sort of try and counter attack offense, and then in the second half just like opened it up and let him go, and we got a draw down in Houston, which the, the only team to uh, prevent Houston from getting three points at home. Yep. So they absolutely need to attack uh, NYCFC. NYCFC coming off an emotional win um, over the Red Bulls in New Jersey. It's the first time they've ever beaten the Red Bulls in New Jersey, mm -hmm. and they keep flying this New York is blue now sort of fucking banner whatever that's how um, it works so it's a fucking multiplayer video game exactly so so you know they're they're possibly in for a letdown midweek against a team that they think they should just roll um their coach Patrick Vieira has said as much like he's worried about a midweek letdown and so Minnesota um really just needs to absorb the pressure that New York is going to give but you're right Put the Play pressure on, the on them, yeah. and more importantly, they need to fucking figure out their uh, free kicks. That situation, like Minnesota's given up too many goals and uh, uh, shipped too many points because of really just terrible fucking free kick placement and all that. And especially with David Villa, with the players that New York City, like Harrison, that they have, um, the fact that Minnesota gives up so many fucking uh, header goals. Is really worrisome, and that is what bothers me, or what worries me about about this we, match. We haven't up. even talked about Kyrie Shelton either. This no. is a pretty well-rounded team. Um, yeah, play on the front foot. I've said it. Uh, same uh, kind of thing. I've said in other pieces as well. Use the fullbacks to create depth, and have the have the wingers actually come in so they can combine a little bit. We don't have a true number ten, and that creates a vacuum above guys like Ibsen between Ibsen and you know Ramirez or a second striker. Have the wingers play in a little bit to help to fill in some of that vacuum. Use the uh, fullbacks to create space. And if they're taking the bite on the fullbacks, then you've now got space for the wingers themselves to do some of the action. If not, well, fine. They're combining and creating overload situations in the midfield. Still think we're better when our uh, our wingers are a little bit more fluid and uh, obviously still defending both ways. So, Cool. All right, who do you got? God damn it. Um, so I wrestled with this one because this has trap game all over it to me in my mind but ultimately it's new york city it's on the road i've got to give it to new york city uh and and that means a two to one win to new york i don't right. think we're gonna get shut out i think it's two to one all right i got three one for new york city all for all the same reasons like i think this i could definitely see this game like going to minnesota like three to one yeah but i think it's it's gonna go i mean davia Probably gets a brace just because just because he's fucking Davidia yeah. and he's amazing, um, but I could definitely. I mean, I definitely could see a, a, there. Are, there's a very slim channel where if Minnesota swims in that channel, they could win the game. It's a yeah, very is, slim, is, very tiny unwinnable. channel. No, it's not unwinnable. It's just 
it's, they're not going to win this game. Well, and, you know, we, we talk about David Villa and guys like, oh, what the fuck are we going to do, do about David Villa? You know, where was Adi? Um, you know, I'm trying to think of other uh, real high-profile dudes that we stopped recently. You know, where was Montero? Well, that um, well, you know, well, the thing with the thing with that is, is that I actually I actually had this as originally a draw, but then we then lost Brent Coleman. Okay, okay, so and, and and that really, I mean, I was like, well, I could, I think I had it at two one, and I was like, well, I was leaning towards maybe like switching it to a draw. Um, that field is so fucking narrow, and um, that New York, this New York City FC team, like up front, is so goddamn quick. I'm very worried about how our defenders, and especially our central defenders, are going to deal with Davia, with Jack Harrison, with uh, with guys bombing in to the midfield. I mean, I don't think I don't. This is not something Jermaine Taylor has had to deal with, so. We'll see. I mean, maybe Jeremy Taylor's up for the task. I, I really fucking hope he is. I like him playing uh, central defense more. You know, I, more, I, felt, yeah. I felt like a genius after the beginning of the season. We're saying Jermaine Taylor needs to not see the field, and if he does, it needs to be as a center back and not as an outside back. And holy shit, we were right. I felt really smart, you know? Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the next game here. That's going to be the 4th of July game against uh, the Columbia Crews. The, the Columbia Crews come to town. Dortmund um, West. Yes. So what's, we're gonna sort of like just sort of breeze through this one because we don't know who will be hurt or whatever. Um, but it's always good to just chat, chat a little bit about it. Um, for who's good for Columbus, that crew midfield is pretty fucking terrifying. Um, it starts uh, with Federico Higuain. Higuain is yeah. I mean he's he scored the most goals in the team. He is just he's all over the field. He just does everything for them. But you throw in Kakuta Mane, um, which they traded to Vancouver. Or they got from Vancouver when they traded Tony Chani, yep. um, and he's been a, he's been great for them. And Ethan Finlay, as well. Um, they form a pretty solid sort of triangle. Distributes the ball well. Scores a lot of goals. And then Ola Kamara on top has been uh, has been pretty fucking good. They got rid of a Kamara. They brought in yeah, another they, Kamara. Yeah, they brought, turned they got, out the yeah, other Kamara was fucking amazing. So. Yeah, they uh, they swapped Kamaras. It's ridiculous. And it's, it's, Doing all right, so it's ridiculous. We, we haven't talked about Justin Miram. Yeah, Justin Miram yeah. sitting on eight goals. Uh, I think leads the team in assists. No, he does not lead the team in assists. Yes, he does. I, I just pulled up numbers. He does lead the team in assists, like I thought, uh, and he gets his shots in there too. Uh, yeah, fantastic. So who sucks uh, for the crew? Um, their defense has not been great. That's fair. Um, Zach Steffen, their goalkeeper. He's played every MLS minute for the crew, and he's uh, given up about uh, uh, one and two-thirds of goals per game, 1.67 goals per game. That's yeah, not, we we that's, can do better than that. That's not great. Um, no, and the crew defense has really not been helpful at all for him. Um, they're the worst defense, actually, in the Eastern Conference. They've given up 30 goals. We've get, To put this in context, we've given up 38 goals. They've given up 30 goals, and they are uh, – in the playoffs right now, they're above the red line in the Eastern Conference. Well, that's how good they are up top yeah. and how bad they are behind. So, uh, 30 goals allowed, by the way, <laughs> is third worst in the entire league. Yeah. And I'll guarantee you, you know the two that are blowing. Yeah. And they've, I mean, to be fair, though, they've scored a shit ton of goals. They've scored 29. So, um, so they play more or less a 3-5-2 or 5-3-2. I don't really even know. But, uh, it depends on how high those uh, those uh, yeah. wingbacks are playing, right? They're more or less like 
the, the midfield is is not doing a great job of, of shielding that back line um, for Greg Berhal- Berhalter's side, and uh, that is where again, you know, I said that's where Minnesota attacks. Yeah, I don't I don't want to repeat the same strategies here, but the thing the thing about it is United is better in its attack than it is in its defense. It has better personnel from uh, Ibsen to Miguel to Molino to Christian, probably a hole in the number 10 spot slash the second striker spot. Dunlady's getting better. Maybe Dunlady needs to be playing in the hole. I have no idea. Um, but we're, we're, we're sitting firmer there than I think we are still in our back five. It's tough for me to say when Coleman is healthy and performing. Tyson, obviously great. I've talked about Calvo already. And I think Cronin's doing really, really well. I'm still happier with what our offense can do because what I feel like is our offense playing high pressure it relieves pressure for our defense. I don't feel like the inverse is true of a great defense uh, igniting an offense. So we play high, we uh, use fullbacks for width, and I think that we're in position to <laughs> win another high score. I talked about against um, against um, New York. It's better to try to win a 4-3 game than it is to try to win a one nothing game. I kind of see Columbus the same way. Absolutely. Um, I think we need to use our wingers to pull out those uh, those uh, fullbacks yep, widen the seams yep and then and then you know Molino Ramirez can bomb in and um, and then more importantly probably than anything else and to to your point about attacking and and having a high press is that we need Sam Cronin and Ibsen as well to just sort of impose their will upon Columbus create turnovers mm-hmm. in the Columbus half of the field get yep, get physical with uh, guys like Federico Ibrahim. yeah and uh, and just and just force them to like make bad passes make um, errant passes make uh, rushed passes that we can easily pick off and then create that turnover so like it, it wouldn't surprise me honestly with the New York City game if we had and honestly we probably should have about like 40 percent of the possession whereas in this game against Columbus on fourth of July we should probably have about 60% of the possession, if not more. So. Be fun. Yeah. Uh, so who wins against uh, Columbus? Knowing, Not knowing much about what the lineup will look like on Tuesday, what do you got? Um, I'll tell you what I got. I got Minnesota winning 3-1. to one. You've got Minnesota winning 3-1? to 3-1. to one. I had Minnesota winning 1 to nothing. I did think it was a win. It's a home game. We do well at home. Columbus, we talk about Columbus's weaknesses and stuff. Um, I told you that we should we should try to win a four three game instead of a one nothing game. Yeah, that, and then you're. That said, I, uh, I I think. You remember the last time we kept a clean, a clean sheet? I remember that it's happened. Yeah. Sporting. Yeah. Let it. God damn it. <laughs> um, that that's that's how I feel about it. I feel feel midweek game we might see a rotational roster. I'm hoping that we see a little bit of a rotational roster. We'll see. Um, and uh, um, I think we can clamp down a little bit better at home. Okay. Um, so now we move on to the next segment. Picks or didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, week 17, we're just going to sort of blow through these. Uh, Martin didn't make any picks, so he lost all of them. <laughs> You're giving um, me his. I'm giving you <laughs> My a, son. I'm giving you an 0, giving 0 and 11, brother. I gave you multiple opportunities to make picks, both in our I'm spreadsheet gonna... or in our a Word doc. But also uh, on on the the web God post that I, I posted, I eventually did update those. You know, if I, you go there, there are pics there. I'm sure there are. Yeah, the, there there weren't on Monday when I fucking post, yeah. like, created this shit. So, um, all right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you a picture of my son in the hospital. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. And then you can just feel the way that that makes you. That's feel. That's fair. I will feel nothing. 
I'm a soulless <laughs> man. Uh, all right, so Toronto FC beat New England Revolution. 2-0, I picked that correctly. Uh, Houston Dynamo versus FC Dallas. It was 1-1 draw in Houston. Uh, I did not pick that correctly. Neither did David Martin because he did not pick anything. <laughs> um, Red Bulls lost to NYCFC. I picked that correctly, actually. I said NYC was going to go blue. Um, Atlanta versus Colorado Rapids, 1-0. I got that correct. Easy. Philadelphia Union versus, uh, Philadelphia Union versus DC United. Um, one nothing. Uh, I picked that correctly. I'm not actually sure how I feel about this Philly team. This Philly team is fucking weird. Why? Because they beat they beat DC United at home. Just, they're so up and down. It's this is like they're better than we thought they. They are better than we thought they'd be. This is like the Chicago Fire of like last year when you're but, like, oh yeah, like, Chicago Fire might be okay. I, they're I'm, not. I am not trying to hold down an erection over a one nothing win at home That's against true. DC United. Uh, Columbus Crew beat Montreal Impact four to one. I did not predict that. Uh, crew fucking midfield doing work. Uh, United versus uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, 2-2. Neither of us predicted that. Um, Most because David did not predict one. Shut up. Um, Chicago Fire beat the shit out of Orlando City uh, SC for nothing. I predicted that. Fire are straight Boston teams now. Good on you for, uh, for having that, that premonition. Um, KC went into uh, LA Galaxy and beat them 2-1. Um, fucking Ike Opara just can't stop scoring goals. And did you see that bicycle kick that he had? Yes. Holy shit, was that fucking amazing. Actually, Sporting Kansas City changed the name of their Twitter account to hashtag Ike Bike. It doesn't even say sporting anymore. So That's awesome. That's that's how closely I follow. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's what does social media look like today? I just look at everybody's amazing. accounts. Also, like the Galaxy can't win at home, and they can't lose on the road. Weird what year this year. What the fuck does that They're, mean? And, you know, this has been the year that we spend a lot of time talking about home teams performing and stuff. Yeah. And then They're like got the, the Galaxy. They're the one fucking team that is like the exact well, I mean, company. LA sucks, though. I mean, yeah. the city. Who wants to even be there, including is, players for the team? That is true. Um, San Jose Earthquakes beat Real Salt Lake. We ever, everybody saw that one coming. We did not see coming that Dom Kinnear was going to get fired right after that, even though they're in third place. So they're in third. So a couple of notes on that. They're in third place. They were on a three-game um, lossless streak, undefeated. Yeah, I'm trying to be the right streak. word. Yeah, they, they didn't win them all. Words. But, uh, right? Yeah, English words. Um, that said, they brought in a new um, a new um, technical director here in the off season. I think that that was a change that, in my personal opinion, a change that was brewing for a long time. What? Somebody who was going to have a vision, who was going to implement it slowly. Uh, probably a thorn in his side that they did better this year than, than had been expected. But I, I think a change was going to happen this year. Well, that's I mean, that's what he said. He said he was going to fire Dom after the season. And But the weird thing is, and this is something that uh, Schieferdecker pointed out on the 55-1 podcast uh, on Monday, um, was that... The guy who is, has the job now, I can't even remember his name, doesn't have the, like an interim title. Like he's like that was the, the first head, thing I noticed too. He's the head coach. My first so, thought was like, oh, was it the assistant coach or something? And I'm yeah. just like, oh, why the oh. why the fuck? I mean, I don't know. That's fucking bonkers. Whatever. Um, Dom will find. Speaking work. of, you know, like RSL is a fucking shit show. San Jose is also kind of a shit show, but they're in third place, so good on them. Is I Dom guess. Kinnear related to uh, Greg Kinnear? No, uh, Dom Kinnear spells his name with two N's. Greg Kinnear, I think, is just one N. I love that not only did you have that answer, but you had the reasoning behind it. Like, clearly, <laughs> we all know Greg Kinnear spells his name well, with one N. Greg Kinnear is a is a, is a uh, uh, American legend, my friends. Oh, that's true. Um, I forgot about that. All right, that. the last game, uh, Portland Timbers versus Seattle Sounders. Two to two. I called this one correctly. I said, 
I think I said 1-1. One, one. Um, Portland. What the I thought fuck, it was, I thought it was gonna be two. To, I thought it was gonna be two to one. Oh my god! Portland win, and it looked like I was gonna be right. And then Dempsey, Dempsey's. I still hate Dempsey, by the way. Port- yeah, him. Portland shipping goals. Portland hasn't. Portland hasn't won on the road since they won the uh, 2015 MLS Cup. By the way, is that true? Yeah, that's 100 percent true. Holy At least shit. Minnesota beat Edmonton in April of 2016. I made so, a cra- I made a crack about that on Twitter. Yeah, no, no. Portland hasn't won since, and they won the title on the road in Columbus. It's a hell so of a way to go They haven't won out. on the road since they beat uh, Columbus for the title. Anyways. That um, is sad. So I was 7-4 this week. Uh, that brings me to 88-101. and I'm actually doing – I'm on the upswing. I'm getting close Does to – 7-4 is a good week. Yeah. That's a hell of a week. Uh, you were 0-11 because you didn't pick any matches. So that sucks for you. I would have been 0-11 anyways. You are 75-114. and uh, Let's talk about our week 18 There's 13 picks. games behind you. We're going to do all the games for – Fuck. We're, gonna, we're actually going to do – it's 10 this week, and then uh, 11. So we're going to do 21 games. Let's do it. I've Let's got them picked. No, like, no fucking funny business. Um, Real NYC picks versus picked. Minnesota, we both said our thing's already. I said 3-1. What do you got? 2-1. to one. All right. New Friday, uh, RSL versus Orlando City SC. I got a 1-1 draw in RSL. I've actually got the Rio Tintos winning 1-0. to nothing. Cool. Good for you. Uh, Saturday, <laughs> Chicago <laughs> versus Vancouver. 2-0 uh, to the fire. Uh, the Chicago Choo Choo's two to nothing to the fire. All right, Montreal, uh, DC United comes up to Montreal for Poutine, and they lose three to nothing to Montreal Impact. I think this is going to be a historically boring game, one to one draw. Ugh, gross. Uh, Toronto FC fires down to FC Dallas. Can't spell Big D without rivalry or something like that, according Can't to spell MLS. Big D. <laughs> um, FC Dallas wins two nothing. Uh, I've actually got a 2-2 draw. I think it's going to be the game of the week, uh, both coming in and having watched it. Yeah, Dallas is on a, like, like on a tailspin. So Shut up. I think they need to get one back here. Dallas uh, is still Dallas. Sporting Kansas City versus Portland. Uh, Portland is a shit team on the road. We've already discussed that. 3-0 to the Sporks. Yeah, even I correctly called this. I've got the Nickelbacks 1-0. <laughs> All right. Columbus uh, hosts Atlanta United. Atlanta United has played Columbus earlier this year. They beat them. Uh, three to one. I think Columbus beats uh, Atlanta United four to one in uh, in Columbus. Really? Yeah. This is the one where we diverge the most. I've got Atlanta winning on the road against Columbus. Atlanta has a great offense, and Columbus has shitty defense. You know, I thought about that, and actually, originally I had Atlanta winning. But Atlanta's poo poo on the road. But for the fact that Atlanta's shit on the road, They're they will score the, the first goal, and then they will just like ship four goals away. So yeah. All right. Cool. That's fair. All right. Colorado versus Houston Dynamo uh, in uh, in Colorado. Uh, I think Houston Dynamo gets too high to score more goals than two, but I think Colorado also scores two, a 2-2 two, two draw for me. I've got a one nothing uh, win for Colorado, which is the, the typical Colorado score <laughs> a la 2016. That is true. Uh, or 2-2 two, two when they play Minnesota United. Good. Uh, all right, uh, LA Galaxy versus – or San Jose versus LA Galaxy uh, in, uh, in San Jose, uh, the Cali Classico. As I mentioned before, LA Galaxy is really fucking good on the road. Um, I think they went three to one uh, was, in San Jose. That was exactly the call I had for the exact same reason. Perfect. All right, Sunday, uh, the last week of or the last game of week eighteen, Philly hosting New England. Um, I think Philly wins three. This game three to two. I think this game is going to suck. It's going to be a zero zero draw, and I might not even watch the replay because it sounds awful. That's fair. All right, so jumping forward to the fourth of July, uh, Tuesday. Uh, we got some matches. Uh, Atlanta United hosting San Jose. 
Uh, and this one I have Atlanta, Atlanta United winning four to one. What do you got? Four to one. I got four two to one. No, I got two to nothing. It's still Atlanta at home. I think Atlanta's but, uh, just going to score a shit ton of goals this week, man. That is um, Minnesota United versus Columbus. I said three to one. What'd you say? I, I again? said one to nothing. We both had Minnesota right. wins. Perfect. Uh, FC Dallas hosts DC United on Tuesday. Uh, nothing like DC United coming to town. I got uh, Dallas winning three to nothing. That's exactly the score I have too. You're right. Um, they might be on a tailspin, but uh, nobody's on a tailspin when it comes to playing DC United. That's fair. Uh, also on Tuesday, Colorado hosts Seattle. Um, Seattle wins this game two to one. Yeah, I've got the uh, I've got the Dempsey's winning one to nothing actually. Cool. Uh, and then uh, the final game on Tuesday, LA Galaxy versus Real Salt Lake. Uh, I have Galaxy winning three to nothing, even though they're really shit at home. Uh, Gal- the uh, RSLs are really, 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 really shitty on their own. They just fired their uh, goalkeeping coach, so there's that. <laughs> That's a great tidbit. Yeah. So you've, you've got the Angels uh, versus the Mormons, right? So uh, I think it's going to make it about as interesting as Dante's Paradise with the Crips versus the <laughs> That's another way to look at it. <laughs> I got a 1-1 draw here in uh, uh, the lag. God, you're the worst. All right, <laughs> on Wednesday, July 5th, uh, we have Orlando City. Uh, we'll probably record a podcast on the 5th, FYI, but we're just going to do all these games anyways. Yep. Uh, Orlando City versus Toronto. I got a 1-1 draw in Orlando. I think uh, Orlando tries to hold. Uh, they've been playing kind of shitty recently. so. I think Orlando takes one too many rides on the It's a Small World uh, tour and ends up losing to Toronto 0-1. Ooh, interesting. All right, uh, New England versus the Red Bulls. The Bread Bulls uh, go to New England and uh, beat Bob Kraft's team, the shittiest owner in MLS history, three to one. I think there's a lot of holes in Bob Kraft. I don't know. I was going for a Kraft cheese fucking joke and it fell apart midway through. Uh, I've got a zero zero draw. None of these things sound good to me. Fair enough. Uh, Houston at home hosting Montreal. It's four to one to Houston Dynamo. You are liberal with the goals. I've got two to nothing win. Houston at home can beat them. Houston on the road might as well only send five <laughs> players. I mean, what I, I, I make these predictions because I hope, against hope, that we get these amount of goals. Because I really want people to watch MLS. I don't think they're going to watch MLS if we have, like, 1-0 and 2-0 games. So I'm just really hoping. These are predictions so much as you my, trying to change the currents of time. Yes, exactly. Um, I don't have a TARDIS yet, so I'll have to do it through my podcast. Um, all right. <laughs> Vancouver versus NYCFC. Vancouver hosting the... Uh, Manchester East, or sorry, Manchester West. Um, I got Vancouver winning two to one. Incorrect. New York City FC is the greatest team on earth, and they're going to win one to nothing. Oh, fair enough. Portland, Chicago, uh, the last game on July fifth. Um, I have a. You're going to love this one. I got three three. Draw. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think that's going to be I've a fucking. I think this might be the game of the goddamn week. That dude. Portland, Chicago. 3-3 three, three draw. When trees meet fire, there's only ever one winner. Uh, Chicago Fire, I've got winning 2-1 to one over Portland. All right. Uh, in the final game next week before the break, uh, before the Gold Cup break, uh, Sporting Kansas City against Philadelphia. They're hosting Philadelphia. I got the uh, I got the Sporks winning 3-1 to one on that one. What do you I got? got? I got 3 to nothing. Even I had a goal fest there for uh, there Sporks. You go. So. There you go. All right, so that's what we got for the upcoming week. Um, as I mentioned before, we're going to – Next week, we'll do some recaps of the two games, and then we'll, uh, we'll actually do some uh, midweek predictions. Um, let's talk about indulging our fantasies. Well, so when I was in college, that was where I lost my virginity, but um, things escalated really quickly from cool. there. 
the woman with whom I lost my uh, virginity was actually uh, was actually engaged, and uh, at the time, and uh, she she didn't end up marrying the guy. Are we talking about? Soccer fantasy. Never mind. We're talking about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. Whatever. Yeah. Let's. This is, uh, this is a safe. This is a safe space. A safe place. Why don't we, we like? We have tens of listeners. It's a safe space, man. Why don't we? Uh, <laughs> do you want me to tell you the story of the pants? Of the pants? Of the pants. Uh, now I do. All right. So, so I meet this woman in college. She's a junior. I'm a freshman. I'm a pretty devout, uh, devout guy. I don't know what devout means in that context. Are you a uh, Christian? But she, uh, no, never. Okay. Uh, neither was she, but she she was cool and she played piano. She's uh, gorgeous and uh, busty and all those things that people like. And um, and we kind of fell into each other. I was single, but she was engaged, and and we started to develop a relationship. He was he was kind of like uh, uh, he wasn't around. He was about three hours away, you know, long distance relationship, and and we started uh, uh, fooling around. I ended up losing my virginity to her. Fast forward, we got caught. Things fell apart. Uh, her life fell apart as her uh, would-be marriage dissolved. She got into drugs and stuff like that. And I felt very resentful that she went back to this douchebag and started doing drugs and stuff like that when uh, when we got found out, uh, you know, because I was 18 and I was stupid. So, anyways, she had given me a gift. Yeah, I see you looking at your fucking clock there. She had given me a gift when we were, quote-unquote, dating or, uh, you know, cheating or whatever you want to call it. She gave me a pair of pants to wear when I slept over at her place one time. It was from the Victoria's Secret Collection, the 2004 Spring Collection. It was these white pants with pink and black dogs on it. And it was the most comfortable fucking pair of pants I ever wore in my life. All right. Fast forward, we are not together. She's now broken up with this other dude. She's a wreck. And And she comes to me. She emails me out of the blue three years later and says, Hey, I know we parted on bad terms. I know things were rough and stuff. You still have those pants because I kind of like those pants back. I had been wearing them pretty much every night for the next three years because they were lovely, fucking comfortable pants. These pink poodle pants. Cool. And I took them out. In the, I took them out in the uh, in the parking lot and I burned them to the fucking ground into ashes. Oh, damn it, dude! I say give her the pants back, right? Nope. Burned them in the parking God, you're lot. A, you're Set a, them on fire. You're a fucking terrible fucking person, man. So indulge your fantasy. Uh, how many points you get last week, Zeller? Um, well, I only got 79 points last week, but the week before I got a shit ton of points, and uh, the week before that, a shit ton of points. It was actually uh, beating you uh, several weeks ago. Spe- spe- uh, Spencer gets a shitload of points every single week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm at uh, 1162. That's, that's 1162. 11, 1162 points. Yeah. I'm in 11th place. You, how many points did you have last week? 103, which week? is the correct yeah. amount I have. Yeah, well, uh, and uh, I've. Crossed the 1,200 threshold. I'm at 1,206 points, so rough, roughly you, 40 ahead of you. But you are just one place ahead of me. So. I'm just one place ahead we'll of see. you, which is all that matters. I'm we'll in 10th place. See. Uh, surprisingly, kicking ass in the league, we got Sporting KC. I love his name, by the way. Daniel KC, Sporting KC. 102 points. He jumped up four spots. Congratulations. He wasn't Daniel the highest KC. scorer in the league, but he was the one who jumped the most. So like, we decided since like it's mostly the same teams in the top three, we're going to recognize new people. We're going to, yeah, talk to some new people. But, but we have a new entrant into the top three this week, guys. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah. So Brother Seminoff obviously is going to win, is winning the league. And then, you know, if, unless he's a, I don't know. We're all bored. Dies. He probably is going to win the league. He might. Um, he might. He might. He, Spencer Agnew, I think, actually asked us a question. Um, Costa Rica Loon is still in second place with 1,380 points. Um, but Kringo LA, he's the new entrant in the top three. He's got 13. 
1,348 points. I, why can't I read numbers properly? I don't know. Properly? I don't why know. does Kringo LA sound like a racial slur? It might be. I don't know. Okay. So I'm just going to keep saying it. Kringo LA, Kringo LA, Kringo LA. Anyway, right, congratulations. Cool. A new entry yeah, in the top three. Keeping it fun. Uh, uh, Only about 32 points out of that second place, that elusive yeah. second place. Have we talked about if we're going to like do a second place prize now? We're not. We we. we we have talked about it, we and we're not. We should actually maybe just get like a gift card to Fitzgerald's, like a ten dollars gift card to Fitzgerald's. Or something yeah, like you that. should. Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, off, talk, we'll talk. We'll talk to the we'll budget committee. Offline, offline. Which is um, my wife. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have some Twitter questions. If I can pull them up really quick, which I think I. Can. One of the things I often hope is that you pull up these Twitter questions more quickly than you are. That's just one of the things that I have yeah. for hopes. All right. So we actually do have a, a question from Spencer Agnew. He's wondering why why we didn't talk about his week this week. Probably. Uh, he he asked, over under on two and a half goals for David Villa tomorrow. Under. With Birch out, would you rather JD or KV slot in since Thiessen can play either side? You're saying under two and a half goals? Yes. Okay. That's I would probably... What I'm kind a, of a question is it that you think I'm any team, man. any person is going to get a hat trick I think, on any yes. given day? I think, Spencer, Spencer, you are good at uh, fantasy. You are not good at setting odds. Because if uh, I was a betting man, I would set these odds at, like, un- like 1.5. And and then I would bang the under still on that one. So, Probably, yeah. yeah. Too many variables. Um, yeah, so clearly Spencer but does not go to Vegas. So you guys want to take, uh, take Spencer's money. Uh, don't do it Vegas. in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, take him to Vegas because he will – Better shit ton of money in the, the wrong way. The better question here, Birch out. Yeah. Coleman. So yeah, JD or KV slot in. So I so first of all, first things first, Jermaine Taylor is the replacement for um, Coleman if mm-hmm. Coleman's not playing. I don't I don't think there's a question about that. The question is, what do you do with your outside backs? Do you change that? Um, honestly, I go with Justin on the left hand side, and I go with uh, I go with Jerome Tyson on the right. Ooh. I think I think that from a defensive liability standpoint. Justin Davis is less a defensive liability than uh, Kevin Venegas is. Um, and I also – this all presumes that they're going to the four-man back line, which I believe that they are. I don't think he's going away from that. But, but, yeah, I presume as well. Uh, um, I'd, I'd, prefer, I'd, prefer, uh, I'd prefer JD over KV. Okay. I can't argue with that at all. No, you can't. Yeah, no. Um, so speaking of Daniel Casey of the Sporting KCs, uh, at Misanthrope, Pester. I always thought uh, it was m- misanthropester. Misanthropester. Not like misanthropester. 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 Because yeah. he's a misanthrope. At misanthropester. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think we're saying Actually, our question, so we should we should have a segment where we just ask our <laughs> listeners questions. <laughs> what uh, is your Daniel fucking, Casey, how do you, what pronou- is your how do you pronounce your handle? handle? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, Anyways, what was, God, that? What lost, was his question? I, I, God, I lost his fucking question. Yeah, sorry. Uh, was it about how to pronounce his Twitter handle? It was not. Oh, it's about uh, robots and shit. <laughs> All right, here we go. All right. <laughs> how did you forget this? All right, his tweet directly. Fuck off, period. Thank you. Um, favorite robot apocalypse movie and why not two pure strikers? I, I love that we, This is the week two of where, where we get asked a ridiculous first question and a wonderful second question by yeah. people. All right, so the... Uh, what is that movie? Robot Apocalypse movie. What is the fucking movie with the the robot, the robot from uh, in Pixar? Oh, Wall-E. Wall-E. That's yeah, that's a that's yeah, that's that's I've never seen that movie. That's probably the best robot apocalypse movie. Actually, it's not it's not bad. 
Yeah. It's it's a pretty. I mean, it's. it's I've heard it's. I've heard it's like it's, it kills you. It's, it's weird like, for a Pixar movie because yeah. there's almost no dialogue for half the movie. It's really crazy. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Well, we I guys mean, we kind of are. My so, second favorite robot robot apocalypse movie is um, uh, Armageddon. Wait, the one with uh, the one with Bruce Willis? Yes. That's how is that a robot apocalypse so, movie? They use robots to put the shit into the to drill meteor. Yeah, the meteor. Yeah. <laughs> this is what is your. <laughs> Listen, do not do not argue with me about my robot apocalypse movies. What is your favorite robot apocalypse movie? Uh, uh, <laughs> what the fuck kind of take was that? I mean, Wall- Wally's the best one, but, Arma- yeah. <laughs> you think Armageddon is a robot apocalypse movie? Yeah, more or less. I, it's, it's as much an Aerosmith music video as it is a robot apocalypse movie. That um, is my definition of a fucking apocalypse, is an Aerosmith, <laughs> an Aerosmith, Aerosmith music video. Yeah. Um, so I don't watch a lot of movies. I'm a bad person to answer this, but uh, honestly, I think that um, the original uh, '50s version of "The Day the Earth Stood Still" is uh, still a provocative thought that doesn't rely on um, violence to get a message across. And uh, that's not robots, though. So, well, you know, I think about the I th- other question. I think about the main, the, the the big threat there. Is he not a robot? Are we just calling him an? He looks a hell of a lot like a robot. But I, I guess I see your point. You know, you debate whether that's a robot. It's or not, not a robot. Um, uh, well, it's, so it's got to be Armageddon then. I think I think the only other choice is Armageddon. I mean, I guess you could make an argument for uh, Terminator. If you want to call it Armageddon, it's not really Armageddon though. You might call it dystopia, well, but not apocalypse. Armageddon. Oh, he said he said apocalypse. It's apocalypse. not apocalypse either. I, I don't think dystopia and apocalypse are synonyms. Okay. I think has, apocalypse has means the end of all. Has there been a true robot apocalypse movie other than Wally? Um, Apparently, uh, iRobot. What the fuck is iRobot? Will Smith flick. Was that that too? I don't feel like that's an apocalypse, was that an apocalypse movie. movie? I don't yeah. think it's an apocalypse movie. I think it's like a uh, dystopia movie. But yeah. Not. So, what's your favorite robot dystopia movie? Armageddon. Armageddon. Agreed. Fucking <laughs> okay. a. Uh, all right. And so, why not two pure strikers? Why not two? Uh, so, <laughs> I mean. Let's go. Like, let's, argue, let's spend five minutes arguing that question, and then spend one minute talking about this one. So the only way that we pull off, so the the only two pure strikers that we have are Ramirez and Dunlady. Uh So you would have to find a position that would put them in, uh, both as strikers. Now the problem is that either you have one as like a second striker, which I think is not the worst thing that you could possibly do a Dunlady second striker and a Ramirez up top up top but the biggest problem is going to come from the fact that we just have no number 10 we don't have anybody creative in the midfield other than Ibsen but Ibsen can't cover fully box to box all the time um and and so that becomes a gap the only way you could make that work is something I've preached before you have wingers play much more centrally and much more fluidly in their position and then you might be able to make two strikers work but the strikers that have to be Dunlady and Ramirez um and I think whatever uh, whatever Heath has been seeing in practice he's liked uh, Molino playing a, a number 10 and Dunlady playing a wing more than you like Dunlady in the middle uh honestly I think Dunlady in the middle uh, as a second striker be an interesting experiment yeah I mean you're right I think it, I think it goes back to our, our, our complete and utter fucking lack of depth certainly um and that 
Yeah, I, I mean, I could definitely see Dunlady as like a second striker with Ramirez, and I mean, we've all seen what Ramirez can do with someone to play off of, like and how like how well he can pass the ball. Like it would be amazing to see him with. But a is Dunlady the guy? Is Dunlady going to be the setup guy? I We're don't talking know about him is. as a second striker, as somebody who's the man behind the man. Still, I still don't think Dunlady is the man behind I the don't, man. I, I don't think, think I don't I don't think he is either. So I, I think Dunlady is better suited with Ramirez on the bench, playing Ramirez's role. Yeah. So Honestly. I guess the real reason is that it, it, without without somebody in the midfield who can make two true strikers work, you're playing with a top striker and a second striker, and neither of the strikers that we have are gonna be ideal at playing that second striker role. Yeah, yeah, you're 100 correct. And I there think you go. again, and like I said, also going back to depth, like we don't have any other fucking players on our roster. Yeah, who can who can, it's, who can slot into that ten roll? Players. Who yeah. can slot into that ten roll? Who might be able to slot into that role with we? I mean. Let's. I mean, I don't know. We had Stefano Pino last year. Might be kind of perfect in that role as like a as like a second striker. Dude, let me blow your mind. How's your mind doing? I hasn't blown not, now. It has Listen. not yet been blown. Listen, the two deeper midfielders, Cronin obviously, Warner replaces Ibsen. Ibsen plays as a number ten. I would not be opposed to that. But interesting experiment anyways, for one game. Okay. All right. So, yeah, let's fucking roll it out. Uh, I think our last question um, from Andrew Hilger at Ottrocks, O-T-T-R-O-X on Twitter. Ot-rox. Why does I want Wesley Snyder on our team more than them? Sad face emoji. I don't know because he's been on a downward decline since 2010. So I can't answer that question for you, Andrew. I'm not, uh, you know what? Snyder will put butts in seats, and he's not going to put goals in nets. I mean, as as an unabashed uh, Dutch national team fan, I I want Wesley Snyder on our team. I don't. Well, but I don't Minnesota, know where. I don't know like, where's. I don't. Yeah, I don't know where where Wesley Snyder. We're excited about Sam uh, Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna take. Where the fuck gonna, does Wesley Snyder fit on our team? I I mean. Well, we have no depth anywhere. Well, where wouldn't he, he fit? He Hell, fits I'd put, everywhere. I'd put him at center back. That's fair. He fits everywhere, but uh, on this team. Yeah. Just fair. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know where. Otherwise, I don't know how to answer that uh, question. She's thinking. All right. So, that's all of our questions. Uh, thank you for, like, the three of you who did them. If you can always send questions to us on Twitters or on e- emails. You can email, like, longer questions if you want. Next week, guys, we're going to recap the matches from uh, tomorrow and uh, or sorry, Thursday and from uh Tuesday, yep. and then we are going to give out some midseason grades, midseason awards. We're going to talk a little, maybe a little bit about where we want to see this team go forward for the second half of the year, um, going into the uh, going into the transfer window. Um, you can find our shit always at davesiknow.com. We literally put stuff up every day. Um, I just put up a sexy European roundup. I have my uh, MLS precaps are pretty much edited and ready to go, or edit, were read, edited by me and ready to go. They need to be edited by someone else. Which means that they have a lot of editing they left need to do. A lot of yeah. fucking editing to do. Um, <laughs> if you can. So, can I make a quick call out to make this podcast sure. even longer? Yeah. You had used the phrase in one of your articles, let's get weird, kids, today, but you didn't put a comma in there. Comma in there. So, it just said, let's get weird, kids. Like, yeah. let's go find some weird kids. Yeah commas kids i'm into that no, no fuck commas um so yeah so go to <laughs> davesiknow.com find our shit uh you can follow us at tdikmn on twitter uh all yep. of our stuff gets posted there um if you can 
rate and like our stupid podcast uh, on your uh, podcasting apps that you listen to this stupid stuff at. That'd be awesome. I mean, rate it. I would say if you're going to rate it, at least give it five stars. Do not give it less than five stars <laughs> or just don't rate it. Like, seriously, fuck you. Um, you can email questions to us at davesinknowmn at gmail.com. You can find Martin at offensive underscore loons. You can find me, uh, Zeller, at Texas Zeller. Um, please engage with us. We love it. We'll, you know, come see us at matches. I'm going to be at the Nomad for the match tomorrow. Martin probably going to be at home taking care of his children. Being screamed at. Um, yep. But I'm guessing you'll be at the match on the 4th of July, right? With your with your kids? Bring your kids, dude. I'm, I'm going to bring the kids. They keep nice. asking to go to games. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to bring them to the next All one. Right. So, so but c- come and see me because I'll yeah. probably feel overwhelmed if you see me. <laughs> so. All right. So come do that. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening, guys. Awesome podcast. Uh, we have been the Daves You Know. This is the Daves I Know. As you do yours, land here, become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all can't it all. Y'all know we can't drive it at all. Nah, yo, I can't do nothing at all. Y'all know we can't drive it at all.